Kiora, Saobona, Namaste, and hello everyone, and welcome. Thanks so much for tuning in. You're listening to Medicine in the Mirror with Dr. K, a South African-born Indian who made beautiful New Zealand home. Outer beauty is a mere reflection of inner health. Are you ready to join me on the journey to becoming more healthy and so too more beautiful? Then let's get started. Kiora and welcome back. On today's episode, I'll be pondering the question, what is beauty? So what is beauty? Is it defined by the symmetry of your face, your race, your bone structure, your weight, your body shape, your gender? Or maybe it's defined by what we see in the media, like big bums and lips which are currently trending in celebrities. Beauty is such a complicated subjective term. Now, I'm not going to try to explain beauty in its entirety but I'm going to share my path to seeking personal meaning, one that is empowering, one that I can perhaps pass on to my daughter. We are all familiar with the cliches, beauty is only skin deep, is not only skin deep, comes from within. The American writer Jean Kerr said, I'm tired of all these nonsense about beauty being only skin deep. That's deep enough. What do you want, an adorable pancreas? Anyway, According to my mum, ever since I was a little girl, I've always been obsessed with all things beautiful, whether it was in art, buildings, fashion, cars, or nature, or maybe a bit of bling too. I'd spent hours studying the dimensions and curvature of things, trying to explain why I thought it was beautiful. Fast forward 50 years. I still see the beauty in everything, and I've spent hours searching for answers on what is beauty, looking for scientific answers too. Beauty is an extremely complicated subject, especially because the things that we all call beautiful are so different. The Oxford Dictionary describes beauty as a combination of qualities such as shape, color, or form that pleases the aesthetic senses, especially the sight. You all have heard the saying, beauty is in the eye of the beholder. But is beauty really in the eye of the beholder? This saying simply implies that beauty is subjective. It's really whatever moves you personally. The connection of beauty in the eyes of the beholder is much deeper than what it looks. Each of us has a different perception of what is beautiful. Just think of the variety of things that we each think are beautiful. A newborn baby or animal, sunrise or sunset, the Swiss Alps, the Eiffel Tower, the Mona Lisa painting, the smell of freshly baked croissants, the aroma of coffee, the sound of the violin, a ballerina pirouetting across stage. This short list includes a mix of animals, nature, art, and skilled human actions. They all give pleasure to our senses, but there's really no easy explanation on the essence of beauty of everything on this list. Beauty may also be cultural. What one community admires may leave another repulsed. What one individual finds irresistible gets a shrug from another. Beauty is personal. The human race since the beginning of time has been transfixed with physical beauty. There really isn't an escape from beauty or the perception of appearance unless you're in hiding or solitude. The social importance of your skin cannot be ignored. It's really the first thing seen by others in social situations and is in constant scrutiny in our daily interactions, although mostly unconsciously. As a culture, we try to preach that what really matters is inner beauty. When in fact, no matter what anyone says, the biology of your beauty is truly a social currency. Whether we like it or not, judgments based on facial appearance play a powerful role in how we treat others and how we get treated. 
Researchers have long shown that attractive people get better outcomes in practically all aspects of life. They are perceived to possess a variety of positive personality traits, lead much more favorable lives, and are more likely to be hired for jobs, as well as get paid higher and pay lower bail and are less likely to get severe judicial outcomes than those less attractive individuals. Even newborns look longer at more attractive faces. The attractiveness effect, as it's known, was observed for a variety of human faces, which included a mixture of both Caucasian and African-American, adult, male, and female, as well as infant faces. You may have often heard, you never get a second chance to make a great first impression. And although we may not like it, it has been confirmed that a stranger makes an impression of you all within seconds. It's really much faster than seconds, though. When you meet someone for the first time, studies have shown that it takes all of a tenth of a second for them to form an impression of you from your face, and that even if you have longer exposure to them, it doesn't significantly change their impression of you. We simply decide within milliseconds either yes or no. When we see an unfamiliar face or object, an area of our brain called our amygdala, which is actually the center of fear, becomes really active. The reaction of stress is immediate either ready to fight or flee. This shows that all our first reactions and decisions are emotional and never really rational. So how can we reduce that fear? A smile. The white of your teeth is associated with playing baby animals. And so when someone meets you and sees your smile, they interpret this white line as an invitation to play. And this reduces the stress reaction. So if you want to make a first good impression, smile as you do only have a whole one-tenth of a second to make that great first impression. Now, when you see something beautiful, whether it's art, nature, music, or beautiful face, neuroscientists have shown that they all ignite activity in one particular part of our brain, the medial orbitofrontal cortex. It's the area of creativity, beauty, and love. It also lights up when we think about someone that we love. So although we may want to change the emphasis that beauty and physical attractiveness plays in society, our decisions are based on emotions and are really not rational. The perception of beauty or its absence is really a reflex. It's in our DNA. The skin is one of the most important components of physical appearance. If you have an atypical facial appearance, like when you get a skin rash or hyperpigmentation, or maybe even if you have a congenital condition, you may find that you experience social prejudice. The beauty standards we've come to accept is that perfect look that the media has been shoving down our throats. And now that social media is around, it's so much worse. For years, beauty was defined by a slender build with a generous bosom and a narrow waist, a well-defined jawline, high cheekbones that were sharp, an angular nose, lips that were full but not very distracting, eyes that were ideally blue or green, which were large and bright, and you had long, thick, flowing, preferably golden hair, and symmetry was desired. This is what the standard has been since the earliest days of women's magazine and when beauty initially became commercialized. The trouble many of us have with this physical beauty and fashion magazine beauty is that it excludes most of us. As you're aware, I'm brown-skinned and five-foot nothing and grew up in apartheid South Africa, so I could never identify with the typical cover girls on the glossy mags. Atypical models would never sell magazines. 
If, however, you've been blessed with exceptional looks and a fine figure, you're still in a minority, as most of us are what we'd be classed as average. And sadly, time takes that away too. Physical beauty is universal. No matter how diverse your skin color, culture or or ethnicity, there are some international beauties who, despite their differences, have come to represent the standard and have some basic features that are universal. So how do we define beauty universally? Natural beauty, it seems, is not a random thing. There is really a repeated pattern that has symmetry, but there's no real simple explanation. Are you aware that beauty can be defined numerically? Early mathematicians detected what seemed to be a pattern in things regarded as beautiful and pleasing, either in architecture, nature, or with people. This had a constant value and is what is called the golden ratio and is symbolized by the Greek letter phi. Leonardo da Vinci used the ratio to define symmetry in structures, including the human body, in which it is aesthetically pleasing to the human eye. Now, if we look at those regarded as beautiful today, these ratios still apply, as does symmetry, both to the face and body. There's a template called the Marquard Beauty Mask and was created by Dr. Stephen Marquard. This geometric mask is based on the proportions that are calculated using this golden ratio. It is simply describing the idealized form of the human face. And don't get me wrong, in no way is this a standard for beauty. The template is superimposed on top of a photograph of a face to show how well it fits those dimensions. The mask fit is not perfect, but the concept states that the closer the fit, the closer the ideal proportions of the golden ratio. This doesn't mean that everyone with proportions close to this ratio has perfect faces. It is just another way to describe how beauty is not just random, but a symmetrical pattern nature has determined. So maybe we should rather say beauty fies in the eye of the beholder rather than beauty lies in the eye of the beholder. My esteemed colleague, Dr. Arthur Swift, contrived the concept of beautification based on the golden ratio. Watch out for my catch-up with him in a later episode. Now, the idea of beauty is shifting. Today, it's much more inclusive than ever. We have become more accepting because people are demanding it, protesting it, and using social media to shame those that are not accepting of diversity. Often I have my friends and or patients say, I can't look at myself in the mirror, or I hate photographs. This is what I'm really wishing to change. We are often bombarded with images, particularly in the media, which can create a false ideal of beauty. We tend to compare ourselves to those ideals and use it as some sort of margin of measurement. I also feel that some of us view our beauty through fogged up mirrors. The picture of ourselves isn't clear and we have limited visibility. The fog that has occurred because of our life experiences and memories as they blend together to form our own definition of our beauty. As a doctor, I feel I have a good understanding of health. As a cosmetic doctor, I think I have a relatively good understanding of facial beauty. What I also know that neither health nor beauty can come from me as a medical professional. I can manage illnesses and disease as they occur. But I can't make you healthy. Your health is not in my hands. It is in yours. As a cosmetic doctor, I can make you more beautiful. And I can help you manage the signs of aging. But I cannot make you feel beautiful if you can't see your own beauty. I believe that real beauty is acceptance of yourself, flaws and all. 
You are a masterpiece, a work of art. There's only one you made up of your genes and your life experiences, and there really will never be another. I think beauty is about starting to appreciate yourself as you would with any piece of art or nature. It's a radiance of spirit, it's the character you have, the kindness you give to others, and the kindness to yourself. It's the strength and self-confidence to know that the real beauty is you. Part of beauty also has to be about the things that make you feel beautiful. Feeling beautiful enhances your own self-confidence and esteem. Whatever you need to do to feel beautiful is really your choice. If you want to put on makeup to cover up acne or wear certain clothes to feel more comfortable, then do it. If you want to hang in your Ugg boots and trackies, then do it. If you want to enhance your beauty or change what you feel you don't like, then do it. You can still appreciate and love your curves, imperfections and everything you do, but make choices that adds to your confidence. That is what gives beauty a feminist power. Doing what you want is your right to beauty. Play up your look or tone it down. Either way, it is still beautiful. For me, that's anything from lounging at home with my hair up without makeup to wearing my amazing new outfit combined with my mega heels. And to those of you who know me, I love my shoes. I believe the healthiest medicine for beauty is love. It's scientifically proven that this chemistry of love induces an immune response more powerful than any manufactured medicine. With a healthy immune system, our bodies are at optimal ability to grow, rejuvenate, repair, and regenerate, and even thrive. Our skin glows, our hair is thick and shiny, our nails are strong, and our eyes shine brightly. A healthy body is beautiful and a reflection of the hidden indicators of physical and mental health that lie deep within each of us. My wish is for you to look into that mirror and take a look, a real hard look, and embrace and accept you as you, and love what you see, saying, I am beautiful. I am what I want to be. I'm winning at life. I'm living my best reflection. And smile. That is medicine in the mirror. That is true beauty. That's it for now, guys. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Thanks for listening. Please hit subscribe on iTunes or follow on Spotify so you don't miss the next episode. I'd really appreciate it if you could leave a review and ratings on iTunes. Follow Medicine in the Mirror on Insta and Facebook for behind-the-scenes updates. Thanks for tuning in. Until next time, go live your best reflection. Reflection.